Rising Champions, a podcast about the mental side of sports, featuring inspirational interviews with young rising athletes about their quest to win their personal championships. Hosted by Dr. Jason Novetsky of Champion Mindset Group, alongside radio personality Kyle Bogie. First episode of the Rising Champions podcast of the new year, at least, and also the first episode of season two. Kyle Bogey, Dr. Jason Novetsky of the Champion Mindset Group. And uh, Doc, I, I'm sure I said it to you, you know, as the holidays were going on and, you know, now that we are officially in 2021, but happy new year. Hope you had a great holiday season, uh, even though it looked a little bit different this year as opposed to many years past. Yes, yes. Well, happy new year to you and your family and uh your your little girl and hope you guys had a wonderful christmas and a safe and happy holiday yeah it was a little different for us um pretty quiet didn't go many places uh had a real small new year's gathering with some friends that we social distance with and things like that but uh let's hope that we're on the tail end of this thing and we can have some sense of normalcy here coming up this spring or summer well, I, people are just going to go nuts when, when things are actually back to normal, I think. You know, I think that as bad as it is for the restaurants right now, we certainly, you know, sympathize with them and hope that, um, you know, many of them can survive. It's really obviously a difficult time. I think it's going to boom once we can actually get back to, to normal life. People are so fed up being uh, inside and at home and not being able to just go out and, you know, have a nice dinner or do what they want. So, you know, hopefully uh, – yeah, hopefully 2021 certainly brings that. I, I mean, at, at the very least, we know 2021 is going to be better than 2020. <laughs> Let's hope. Let's hope. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Well, we have a, a great interview to, uh, to start out 2021. We have a sophomore at Cranbrook, a tennis player, a young man who uh, is certainly already a, a rising athlete and someone who I think is going to be a force to be reckoned with here over the next couple of years, Owen DeMuth. Uh, going to join us here on the Rising Champions podcast. So we'll get to him uh, in, in just a little bit. But some of the, the, the things that he mentioned in our interview, because it is, you know, previously recorded, that I found to be a little bit fascinating is he grew up in a tennis family. Mm -hmm. So dad, you know, older brother, you know, certainly, uh, you know, all played tennis. And in talking with him, he kind of gave us some insight into what it's like uh, growing up in a house where other people have had great success uh, in the, the sport of tennis. And they really didn't show much mercy, uh, you know, to him as he was growing up and trying to learn the game, try to, you know, get his own skill set in order. And I got to be honest with you, Doc, I, I absolutely love that. But there obviously has to be a balance within that. You don't want to be too hard and playing, you know, too competitively where you ruin somebody's confidence, but you also don't want to be too nice or too soft, allowing, you know, a young person to just go out there and, and potentially win or, you know, kind of be given something that they really didn't deserve. I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, there is a fine line there. I think the most important thing, especially when kids are young, is you, you have to make it fun. You know, it's got to be more about them than, than the game and making sure they're enjoying it. You know, have fun with the, the equipment and play different games within the game. Uh, to get their interest going. Um, but I agree, you can't let them win all the time. They have to experience some disappointment, some setbacks, and then you support them and teach them. And hey, if you want to do better, here's how you do it. And if you're interested, you'll work hard at it, but you can't force it. No, I agree. And, and the messaging, I think, needs to be there too. You know, it's not, uh, you know, well, I beat you. You know, what are you going to do about it? It should be, well, 
you want to beat me, work harder. You know, you want to beat me, get stronger. You want to beat me, get faster. You know, work on your game, spend hours doing it. And I got to believe that that's one of the more, <laughs> as my uh, lovely little cat Mac here is climbing on my, my chair where we're recording this Zoom. Um, I, I got to believe that that is one of the more satisfying things as a parent. And I hope to learn that someday when Blake is old enough to be, you know, playing golf or whatever sport she ends up playing or ends up playing. And that's when you see your son or daughter working by themselves, you know, unprompted, you know, where they're just, and I'm sure your son was the same thing. You're out there, you know, swinging the bat or, you know, pitching or throwing the ball back and forth with a friend when a young person is motivated to do it on their own and not to have to be told or be on some schedule. That's when I think you really have the beginnings of a self-starter, you know, kind of coming to fruition. Yeah. Once again, I agree. I mean, if you have to constantly prod your child or your athlete to go out and work, they're probably not in it as much as you are. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. yeah, I agree. I mean, you take, you know, you give them the, the tools, you give them the opportunity, uh, you know, the encouragement, but at the end of the day, it's on them. You know, at, at a certain age, you got to just decide that, okay, if you really want this, then you'll do it. I don't have to manage all your time. I don't have to schedule every workout for you. You should be the one asking if you're really interested in getting better because you enjoy it. Another intriguing, uh, you know, portion of the discussion, and we'll get to the interview with Owen uh, in just a little bit, but I-, I thought it's fascinating to know what's going on in the game of, of tennis and the fact that at the high school level, you essentially have, you know, student athletes making calls on whether or not a ball is in, whether or not a ball is out. Uh, and there can be some, uh, we'll just say discrepancies as to whether or not, you know, they're, they're always accurate. And that to me is always one of the things that bothered me so much, uh, even in my younger years as an athlete, was when you make a play and an official makes the wrong call, makes a bad call. And you know that you were right. Your coach knows that, you know, it was a terrible call. He's, you know, pitching a fit, you know, over on the sideline and everything. And there's nothing that you can do about it. And I think it's, it's interesting because we're now, you know, a couple of days removed from the Lions final game of the, the 2020 season. Thankfully it's over. And they had a couple of plays late in that game against the Vikings. One, yeah, the worst roughing the passer, you know, penalty I think I've ever seen in my life. Uh, on Tracy Walker, where, maybe close to the one Aaron Rodgers in the before the playoffs that one year. Oh, and they, it, it looked like he grabbed him by the yeah. by the helmet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that was another one. The fail Mary game. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one, a long pass from Stafford to Marvin Jones. Mm-hmm. He clearly completed the process. They they decided that he didn't, and they overturned the call. And look, I'm happy that they lost. Don't get me wrong, because now <laughs> you know they at least have a, a decent draft pick to screw up. But when those things happen. It, it, everyone knows that the refs are wrong. I mentally, I never understood or knew how to fully move on from that. And I still don't know. And I marvel at athletes that are able to just go, okay, whatever we deal with it. You know, you move on. Cause that, that would really anger me. It is difficult. And I don't know if there is a foolproof plan to get over that or let it go as we say, but you have to go into games ahead of time knowing that you're going to get some bad calls. Those are pretty bad ones, you know, in close proximity to each other as well. And I think the Lions actually did a pretty good job. I, I you know, I watched the body language um, after those calls were made. And, yeah, there was some disbelief and some hands up in the air. And But 
they moved on pretty quickly, and maybe it's just because they're so apathetic at this point that they get bad calls like that, <laughs> and they're just like, oh, it's just another one. And I think TJ Lang tweeted out that there's a conspiracy <laughs> against the Lions. But uh, from a psychological standpoint, um, I, I think they did a good job. And I think what I, what I coach my athletes to do is just focus on the next. All right, you got to put that one away. It's time for the next play. You'll deal with the problem later. There's no point in living in the past, you know, um, you know, only fools trip on what's behind them, as they say. So that's behind you. And if you're going to trip on it again, that's on you. Yeah, I guess the only missed call, uh, you know, that I get angry about these days is, you know, when I have a, a three footer left to, to save par and, you know, my, my buddy who I'm playing with doesn't give me the putt. You know what I mean? I mean, that, that's just a bad missed call. That should be a gimme. Don't make me putt that, right? It's a little different than a missed call. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it could be. <laughs> Either way, you would say then, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, well, you know that's it's not my problem to give them the three footer as long as they give it to me. Okay, that's all that matters. Right. All right. No, I'm just kidding. But no, it is. It, it's a funny thing, and it happens. It's seemingly every single game at every single level. There's always going to be bad calls. I, I just I, sometimes I don't know how you know you go about moving on. And, and believe me, again. I'm glad that they lost. I'm glad that the, the NFL and the officiating crew got in the way of the Lions and, you know, helped prevent them from ruining uh, their draft position. But it, it, it's amazing how often it happens and how much athletes have to actually continue dealing with it. It's part of the sport now. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's no doubt. Well, uh, this is uh, a great conversation with uh, really a young man who I think is mature beyond his years, just a sophomore uh, at Cranbrook, uh, a true tennis talent and somebody who uh, I think is going to be challenging pretty darn hard for a couple of state championships here before his high school career ultimately comes to a close. So I want to make sure that we get to uh, Owen DeMuth, uh, again, a sophomore at Cranbrook and a rising tennis star, not only here in the state of Michigan, but nationally. And by the way, this interview is brought to you by Brand25 Media LLC. If you're looking to improve your digital media, your digital presence, your online presence, if you will, Brand25 Media is here for you, not just from a social media perspective, Facebook, Instagram, and of course, Twitter, but also in the digital ad game, SEO, organic search engine optimization. Brand 25 Media is a company based here in Royal Oak, and they would love to help your company, small businesses specifically here in Michigan, improve that digital presence. So if you'd like to find out more, simply go to brand25media.com. Okay, so Owen, I'll, uh, I'll start you off with a, a softball here, or perhaps, uh, you know, just lob one over the net, and you can go ahead and spike it right back, uh, you know, to use kind of a tennis uh, comparison there. I guess, what was it that, you know, ultimately got you into the sport of tennis? And, and I guess, what is your, you know, passion behind the game? And I guess, where did it all begin in a roundabout way of asking? Um, I'd definitely say when I was really young, my dad played, my older brother played, my dad played in college, my older brother played in college. My mom was a good athlete. So um, I think it was, it was a mix of that. But then when I started to play, I really fell in love with it and loved competing I like being out there alone, having to figure things out on my own from a competing standpoint. And then just the, I I just like the whole experience and going to the tournaments with my dad, with my coach and high school tennis was just with a team. I had never done that before. So that was great. And I think it's, it's a mix of being out there alone, competing on your own. And just, I was exposed to it from a young age. And I think I fell in love with it from a young age. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So Owen, you came to me uh, just before COVID shut everything down uh, back in March of 2020. And then we kind of took a break uh, over that spring. And then, then we got together quite frequently uh, over the summer and, and up until now as well. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what was the decision point and the reason that you sought out some additional coaching to help you with the mental side of the game? Well, right before COVID hit, I remember it was the first time I came and, and I had just heard about it because a couple of my friends had gone to you and heard good things. So I was like, oh, this is definitely interesting. And I liked it. And then COVID happened and I didn't really know, like, if you were still open and we had only met once. So we weren't really, uh, we hadn't built that strong relationship yet. But then I had a tournament in August and I had, I struggled mentally a lot and then I think my mom reached out to you and then from then on we started to meet frequently over the summer. Yeah. So specifically, I remember your, your questions had a lot to do with helping with your focus, concentration, and kind of your emotions are running hot sometimes. Tell us a little bit about that and how that's gone for you. Well, the, the emotions running hot is, that was definitely a big issue. And I think, I've done a good job of controlling that and through the work that we've done. And I think just getting older and maturing, I realized that's just wasting energy and I'm going to need that energy. So I think I'm, that's, that's definitely gotten a lot better controlling that. And the, the focus, uh, I realized I needed that bef way before, but I never realized how big of a deal it was until that one tournament in August when I really, it, was, it had been my third match of the day and I really just could not keep my eyes on the court. They were just everywhere, and it was, it was evident to me at that point that I, I needed some help with the focus. How much of a challenge is that process? Because, you know, I, I was always somebody um, as a, a quote-unquote athlete, uh, you know, in my heyday who I ran hot. You know, I was very intense. I, I you know, wanted to show it with my emotion, um, not just with, you know, how hard I played, but – you got to make sure that you're channeling that in the right way where you can be intense, you can be competitive, you can be fiery as long as it's benefiting you. You certainly don't want it to, you know, hit you in the face or end up affecting you in a negative way. So how did you go about, you know, combating that and figuring out how you can use that competitiveness to your advantage? Yeah, I think um, me and Dr. Jason talked a lot about how the highs can't be too high and the lows can't be too low. So of course you're going to get frustrated, but you can't show it too much. You can't show your opponent that. And you should by all means be positive, but don't go crazy. Don't be yelling screaming and make sure you keep it pretty leveled. And you see like the prior, arguably the greatest tennis player of all time, Roger Federer, he does that incredibly well. He's calm out there. Yeah. He didn't always do that though, but uh, he's yeah. learned over the years uh, to yeah. definitely what we call use what we call the even keel. Uh, in sports. Uh, so Owen, you, you play at Cranbrook. Uh, you just finished your, no, you're in your, you're in your 10th grade year. Yeah. Correct? Yep. Yes. Uh, you're the number one singles player there. Mm -hmm. uh, your team had the honor and earned the privilege of being the state champion for your class. And then you got to the individual states as well. And you finished as a runner up. You lost in the state finals individually. Tell us about that run as a team, an individual because I know Kyle and I've talked about this before where you know sports like golf and tennis in high school you got the team aspect but you also have that individual aspect more often yeah I mean as a team it was it was great because we weren't supposed to win we were a bit of an underdog so it was that was really fun and 
I mean, I really think we deserve to win. We put in a lot of work. We had a good team. We definitely weren't the most talented team, but we were deep and we, we were a hardworking team. So that was really exciting for us to make the run. And with COVID, it kind of changed the format of our of the states. And that ended up benefiting us, actually, because it went from like a bracket tournament style to a, just dual matches. And I think that that helped us a lot. And with high school tennis, the biggest thing for me is – making sure I stay focused on my match because it's like the only time where tennis is really a team event for me. And sometimes I get too drawn into my other teammates matches and I find myself struggling in my own matches. And really at the end of the day, the thing I like, the best thing I can do for my team is to get, is to win my match. So I really, that was towards the end of the season. I really figured that out and was able to stay focused on my match and, started to play better towards the end of the season. Yeah. And then with a family, excuse me, go ahead. Oh, I was just, you go ahead. I was going to talk about the individual one, but no, please, please go continue with the individual tournament that came after the, it came after the team state tournament. And that one, I actually really struggled in my first match and I was, I was, I lost focus early. I was down and I was playing a guy who, I would think I was the two seed in that tournament and I was playing the seven. So it was a match I should have won and I wasn't totally ready. And I was able to recognize that and of winning, but it wasn't my best tennis. And then I came out and I was playing my good friend and the three seed. He was a really good player. And I did the, the complete opposite. I warmed up better. I came more prepared and that really helped me excel in that match. And then when I got to the final, I kind of just got outplayed. The guy played better than me, but that was a really good way to end the season for me. For sure. With a, uh, with a family full of tennis players, I got to believe that it can get pretty contentious and competitive, uh, you know, growing up in that environment. So uh, I guess, was there any mercy uh, shown to you uh, growing up uh, as a tennis player with your family? Um, I, I'd say some, but definitely not a lot. <laughs> My older brother, he would take it to me when we would play and even my dad too. We would the three of us would play together, and I would definitely not be the winner, especially when I was younger. And we still play to this day because my dad still plays and my older brother still plays. So we get a fourth person and we play doubles all the time, and it gets competitive. Uh, has the the script started to flip at all as far as you know you getting getting over on them a little bit back and forth more so than it used to? <laughs> it has now, yeah, it has a bit, and that's that's a good feeling. Do you think that helped you, Owen, that they were tougher on you growing up? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely has. I would agree with that. I think it's important that, you know, you have to earn it, right? Yeah, it's helped my competitive spirit, definitely. Absolutely. So, Owen, we mentioned focus. Talk to us about what did you specifically have to do, strategies, systems, skills that you've developed that are helping you with your focus and concentration more. Obviously, it's a, it's a work in progress, but what, what has been working for you? Yeah, I mean, in matches, it's a lot of it is I have a towel that I keep in the back of the court. And I used to, I would always have one, but I'm definitely utilizing it a lot better now. I'm going back to it. Like I say to myself, like, for every point I lose, I need to go back to my towel and reset and just and then when I find myself doing really well and going ahead and getting ahead, I need to make sure that I don't, I don't think, oh, I'm up. I can wander off. Like I find myself um, making sure I'm staying in the moment and staying present. And I think I've really improved on that a lot, which has helped my game. So you're, you're speaking of some consistent routines. Yeah. 
Okay. And I think that's really critical because so often people say they want to be more consistent. And the thing is you have to do consistent things to be consistent. And we often get away from our routines when things are not going well. And it's so easy to do the routine when things are going well, but you need it more when they're not. So talk to us about the type of coaching you've had on the court. Cause we've had your coach on the show and uh, your high school coach and uh, some of your, your competitors and friends. Talk to us about the coaching and the kind of that tennis community in this area, the Metro Detroit area. Yeah. Well, the tennis community is definitely really strong here and I'm not originally from here, but I think just the fact that I've moved here actually really helped my tennis because the kids around here are better. It's better competition. And, the coaches here are great. I mean, my high school tennis coach played at Northwestern University. Like, that's you can't get much better than that, for, especially for high school tennis, too. And in, that's high school tennis is the only time when a coach can help you while you're on the court. And I really like that part because uh, my, my coach, Steve, he does a great job of calming me down while I'm playing. And he gives great advice, but a lot of it is also he helps me stay calm and focused in the moment on the court. Absolutely. Steve was a great guest on the show and we also had his son on as well. Yeah. So I guess from a, you know, you're still only a sophomore in high school. You still have a couple of years before you start figuring out, you know, next level and, you know, what you'll ultimately end up doing. So I guess from a goal standpoint, have you laid out, you know, specifically what you want to accomplish and, you know, what you want to have done essentially or in your, your, your repertoire by the time you move on to the next level? Uh, yeah, I have. I, we, I did that with Dr. Jason pretty, right when we first started meeting. And it was really, help, it was really helpful for me to figure out a plan on what I wanted to do because it helps me. And then the second step of what we did was to figure out a plan to be able to accomplish those goals. And doing that really helped me. So talk to us a little bit about what that process looks like for you, Owen. Kind of what are some things you do on a daily basis? Uh, well, practice, of course. But... Uh, practice of course but also the mental workouts that we started like the visualization visualizing myself doing well and also doing bad but not doing bad but not not winning every point but coming back from the from the points that I lose and eventually succeeding and then as well as the concentration grids that those are difficult but they help my focus and help me stay concentrated on one task so what you're saying is, and I want to explain it for the people that are listening, you, you invest time a couple times a week or almost daily on training your mind. Mm-hmm. So you are, you are reviewing your goals. You're doing some imagery and visualization. You're doing some concentration tasks. Obviously, you're adding that to your physical practice, but you're actually investing time on the mindset that you want to have. Yeah, definitely. How, how much of an impact do you think that's had on your game? I think, I think it's had a really big impact because it's helped my concentration. It's helped me stay more calm on the court and it's helped me put like my goals in perspective. Like when I, I've always known my goals, but writing them down and really talking about them with you helped me see that they're, they're achievable and help me see what I can do to achieve them. So just wet our whistle a little bit. What are some of those goals that you have for the future? Uh, some of them were tennis specific things like improving my first serve percentage, which I think I've, I've done and improving on specific shots, but also playing college, college tennis one day and then, and then seeing where I can go from there, but definitely playing college tennis one day. Okay. 
Always been uh, fascinated by, you know, sports like tennis, sports like golf, where it's such a fine line between, you know, a good shot, great shot, bad shot, whatever. It's just, it's so close, uh, you know, between all of those, you know, I guess different barriers. So when it comes to tennis, you could hit a great shot and you could miss it by, you know, a quarter of an inch. It's out of bounds versus it's inbounds and you end up getting that point. How do you go about, I guess, teetering on that line, you know, of trying to put it in perspective, you know, knowing that you're right there, you just got to be consistent, keep hitting those good shots and you're going to get the bounces that go your way versus, I guess, you know, being frustrated over, man, and I, I, I couldn't hit that any better. I don't really know, you know, what more I can do. What's that balance like? Yeah, I mean, I think my coaches have always talk, talked about, taught me to want to have big targets and not go for the lines which because in tennis things are going to happen and you're going to miss by a little bit. So like, and you got to know that it's also going to happen to your opponent. Like they're going to miss some by a quarter of an inch. So it's, it, I think it helps me to know that it should even out in the end of the match and or the practice or whatever the circumstances are. So Owen, I want to bring up something that it's come up uh, a couple times when we've had some local tennis players on and it's the issue of, for lack of a better word, cheating in tennis. And I think you guys call it hooking or making bad calls. And, you know, I know you're not that guy, uh, but I am, I'm always curious about this. I think it's a, it's a terrible thing. I think it needs, something needs to be done with the junior tennis circuit about this, but what is your, what are your thoughts on that? That, you know, the kids that are doing that don't name any names, but, maybe situations that you've been in and what are your thoughts about this whole issue with cheating in tennis? I mean, I think it's kind of just, it's, it's low in my opinion. It's like people are out there to have fun and succeed and you're robbing them of both of those things because no one likes to be cheated. And that's, that's an awful feeling when you know you've been cheated. And so it's not fun. And also you're, you're not letting them succeed and you're kind of taking them away, taking that away from them at at your own benefit. And for me, I, I've never really been able to do that because I just thinking I, I wouldn't be able to live with myself knowing, Oh, I won that match because I called the ball out on the biggest point of the match. Like that's, I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I did that. Right. What, what is your thoughts? I mean, what can be done about it? Well, I know, some, talk about I, it. I know people around here who have started to put cameras up on them. Like they tape the match and you have to ask your opponent, if you can do it first, but I think 90% of the time they say yes. So, I mean, I feel like if they know they're on tape, there's less of a chance that they're going to cheat you in my opinion. But you can't use that tape during the match. It's just, there's a deterrent. Yeah. It's just, there's the fact that there's a camera up there and after the match is over, do you really, that person could very easily show the, show other people what happened. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good start. I think maybe is having maybe all matches be taped. Yeah. Point. Yeah. And I know this is probably a stretch, but hope one day maybe getting more refs at the tournaments because the refs can only like having two refs on a bank of eight courts. I can only do so, so much. Like there's problems everywhere in junior tennis. Kids are going to be fighting everywhere. So yeah, yeah, I feel like if there could be more refs that could also help the issue a little bit. Gotcha. So another topic that I wanted to bring up was, and this comes up a lot again with tennis players, more specifically, sometimes golfers, is the tendency to overthink who you're playing against before you even get to the tournament because you see their ranking, their UTR, who they beat, who 
their opponents have beaten and so on. And that paralysis by analysis of overthinking, you know, the, the bracket, so to speak. What are your thoughts on that? Is that something you struggled with from time to I've time? Def- I've definitely struggled with that. Um, I think when I was younger, I think now I've matured more and I've realized, I mean, it doesn't really matter what he has done or what you've done. It's a new day and anyone can beat anyone on any given day. It's, so I think now that I've realized that, I've definitely gotten better with it. But, yeah, it was definitely an issue because I would look into it and I would psych myself out before the match. Exactly. And that's not something you want. You, want, you don't want to go in having too much confidence or too little confidence. So it's, I think it's sometimes better to just look at who you're playing and then not look into it. Just, or even just look at the time and then just be there. Yeah. Well, certainly the, the way that your individual season, uh, you know, ended uh, last time, I got to believe that that is added motivation to, uh, you know, be able to uh, come out on top next year. I, I would expect that that's one of your main goals here moving forward. Yeah, that's definitely a big goal. Um, the kid I lost to is a friend of mine. He's a, he's a really nice guy, but uh, the match wasn't too close either. So I definitely have been working for working towards um, uh, shortening the the gap between us. Gotcha. Put his, put his picture on your mirror. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So where do we go from here? You got like, you're in the middle of kind of the winter here. You travel a lot, you play different tournaments and kind of gear up through the summer and get ready for high school again next year. Yeah. I've got a tournament next weekend. Um, And then there's, there's a good amount of winter tournaments that I'll be able to play. And then summer comes around and there's the whole, there's all the USDA tournaments and hopefully they'll have hard nationals this year. I think they should. I think hopefully this gets under control and all the, the national tournaments can start again because that's always one of my goals is to play the national tournament every year, the big one. Mm-hmm. And with my ranking right now, it looks like I'll, I'll be able to get into that. So that's definitely something I want to play. And hopefully I'm, I'm praying that uh, that tournament happens. And then, yeah, high school season will start from there. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, Owen, we appreciate uh, the time. Certainly, uh, you know, congrats on all your success. And uh, we certainly look forward to watching, uh, you know, you attain those goals and maybe getting a little bit of revenge, uh, you know, this upcoming year as well. So thanks for joining us uh, on the Rising Champions podcast. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to the Rising Champions podcast. Please subscribe and join us again next week for another episode.